Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. Uh, we are having our wonderful Carrie Ivins on the air tonight um, from the upcoming movie Chicks Dig Gay Guys. Carrie Ivins is best known for her seven year portrayal of Simone on ABC's daytime drama, All My Children. She has been an entertainment professional since the age of 10. As a teen, she worked with Matthew Perry on Fox's Boys, Will Be Boys, Neil Patrick Harris on ABC's Doogie Howser, M.D., Jennifer Love Hewitt on ABC's Birds of Paradise, and Mariel Hemingway on ABC's Civil Wars. She also had pilot spinoffs for Roseanne, Baywatch, and Married with Children. Film credits for Ivan's include Roger Corman's Piranaconda, Unfold, Mark for Death, Transfers 4 and 5, and Jimmy Hollywood. Additionally, she serves as co-producer of the upcoming film Borrowed Moments, which stars Brian Krause and Vanessa Marcel. Ivan has appeared in dozens of commercials, print ads, and is an accomplished voiceover talent as well. Harry Ivan stars in the new hilarious film Chicks Dig Gay Guys with the Kickstarter campaign. Let's welcome to the airwave Carrie Ivins. Hi, Carrie. Well, hello, hello, Deb. Uh, I just want to take you in my pocket everywhere I go. That sounded like amazing out of out of your mouth. <laughs> Well, well, that's, these are all your accomplishments, so you should give yourself a pat on the back. You know, I think all of us suffer from things of not remembering things we've accomplished in our past, and yes. we keep reaching forward to what's next, what's next, what's next, that yes. we never stop and smell the roses. Or if we do, we don't do it enough. So thank you for letting me have that moment to smell the roses of my hard labor and work over over my childhood and adulthood. I so appreciate that. Absolutely. Anytime. Now, let's, let's start off. Um, what was your experience like growing up in Newport Beach, California? Because as, as a native, I know it's different because most people come from somewhere else. So being a native, you must have had some sort of interesting kind of upbringing here. Well, to, to correct you, and, I, and, and I'm – I have to, is that I'm not a native of Newport Beach. There's a lot of untrue information in, on the Internet, which I kind of leave alone because then it's really difficult for anyone to do identity theft, right? But right. actually, my, my ex-husband was... Uh, he's the native Newport Beach, and my daughter, Kiana, uh, she was raised in Newport Beach, born in New York City, so we call her Double Trouble, uh, because, you know, Newport Beach, there's a reason why they say it's beyond or behind the Iron Curtain, or the Orange Curtain, not Iron Curtain, you know, it's uh it's a paradise unto its own, but it's a very small community that protects and loves its own. You know, it's uh, it's much different than the rest of the world that I have seen. M- much like, 
comparing apples and oranges to New York City. You know, nothing is like New York either, you know. Right. And right. how can you compare it to something? Newport Beach is a, is a lot like that, you know. There's uh, clean air everywhere. You never see litter or garbage on the streets. All right. the roads are paved wonderfully. You never have to worry about potholes. You know, it's just absolutely glorious, you know. The, the entire... Township looks like it was designed by one man, and I happen to know just about all of it was, and that was my former father-in-law, Roland Osgood. So I feel very connected to that beautiful township, and my daughter is, uh, she's the native. (laughs) She's the native. Oh, okay. Well, it must have been interesting that she was born in New York, and she, she, you know, obviously visits in Newport Beach as well. So it must have been an interesting uh, upbringing for her. Well, you know, I was on all my children when my husband and I conceived. So I was filming while, you know, she was baking in the oven. And as it was, my close-up just got tighter and tighter because we didn't use the pregnancy for Simone's storyline. So there was times, and one of my favorite episodes, it's me and Mia, Amelia Heinley, hiding in bushes, spying on someone because I'm so large that they, they had to hide me behind, you know, a shrub. <laughs> There would be scenes where I would just be behind a newspaper and then I'd flip the paper over to drop my one-liner and then flip it back. (laughs) My last episode that I filmed while Kiana was still in my belly uh, was literally a day before I gave birth and it was a hospital sequence and and the elevator doors open and I come walking out. And then as soon as I did, I hear God through the PA system, which was one of my favorite directors, Connell O'Brien, who now directs for Young and the Restless as well. Mm-hmm. And he said in a booming voice, Carrie, can you go back to one and can you do that without the waddle? And everybody booed him because they were so tight. My face went in and out of screen because I was so big. That I had a waddle. <laughs> oh, oh wow! That's 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 great. That's great. Sorry. Um, now, what? I mean, I know you've been on all my children, but what initially led to your decision to enter into the acting business? Well, I come from a heritage, I should say, or a lineage of entertainers. Uh, my dad is uh, a rock drummer and, well, was a rock drummer and raised me with the sticks. He played behind Freddie Fender and Mac Davis and the Pointer Sisters. I've got amazing childhood stories of seeing Kiss without their makeup on. I was actually in Gene Simmons' hotel room, which would be frightful for me as a mother, you know, these days and age. But back then, you know, our parents are free spirits, and, you know, there was this uh, protective cloak if you're a band kid, and everyone knew me as Spud's daughter, and Spud, you know, was highly respected. So I got to see, you know, uh, the Jackson 5 record, you know, ABC. Oh when I was so young and thinking that Michael Jackson was so cute and I wanted to be just like him, you know. So from a very young age, I had entertainment just seized into my soul. You know, I started singing when I was seven on stage 
uh, with my dad, uh, different bands that he would be with. They would invite me and a couple of the other children to sing, like, Your Mama Don't Dance and Your Daddy Don't Rock and Roll. And they would have, just have fun with it. And, uh, you know, I saw my first Broadway play with Annie, and then it was Hook, Line, and Sanker. I wanted to be on stage. I had a, a young, narcissistic quality for instant gratification. So, <laughs> and I suffer from it today. <laughs> well, that's, that's okay. That's all right. To have that. <laughs> it's only okay if you are aware of it. Otherwise, it can sink you fast. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. What, um, what did your first acting role teach you about the business that you've been able to carry with you in, in your career always? Well, one of the first uh, television jobs I had was on Days of Our Lives. And I was such a novice. I was hired uh, without any previous experience. It was my first job. And uh, I went to go block, as they call the rehearsal for the camera, and they put down these markers uh, that are in a shape of a T. And, uh, you know, they gave me this orange one. And then I went through the scenes of where I'm supposed to move. And then you go into hair and makeup. Then you go into the green room. On Days of Our Lives, they've kept the same recipe even today. Uh, I've, I have friends on the show. And, and then you go into the green room and you run your lines with your fellow co-stars. And then you go back out as your scenes are called and they tape the show. Well, this was happening for me as being a you know, young teenager. And I go back out there and my orange tea, now the set is filled with all these different colored teas. Well, I thought tea was for Carrie. I didn't know it was your toe mark, right? So oh. my scene is going on. I'm kind of hopping and skipping, trying to make all these different teas. And the director over the, the big PA system says, honey, what in the heck are you doing? <laughs> you know, I was so green that I thought I needed sun because they were talking about my skin color, you know. So those, those are things they take with me forever. And I always pass on to the young actors that I've coached to let them know these subtle little things so they don't embarrass themselves as I did. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. Oh, that's a great story, though. Um, <laughs> did you face any adversity as a teenager uh, from friends because you were in the business? Because you were on, like, Doogie Hauser on the with Neil Patrick Harris, you were on Boys Will Be Boys with Matthew Perry and Birds of Paradise with Jennifer Love Hewitt. Did you face any adversity from your friends, uh, jealousy, uh, treating you differently, or did you have a kind of a normal normal situation? Uh, you know, being raised in, in the entertainment field, you, you know, my father really embedded inside of me that you are a success if you get to make a living doing what you want to do, whether, you know, what occupation that is. But if you love doing it and love getting up to go to work, then that's the highest success you can have. And everything else that goes along with it is just icing on the cake. And in my family, it was just that's, it is. It's still to this day. It's just what we do. It's not who we are. And uh, I was very fortunate, you know, um, spending the majority of my childhood in show towns, Lake Tahoe, uh, and Reno, Nevada, 
to where, you know, it's a 24-hour town and, you know, let alone the gambling and all the big lights, everybody, you know, it's, it's, they're unaffected, I should say. And I still have, oh, my gosh, just an immense amount of dear close friends from my grade school, uh, you know, middle school and high school. You know, it, it's it's crazy that, you know, when we're in elementary school, we can remember first and last names. And now today, I'm like, oh, that face is familiar, right? But I still know the names, you know. Dennis Lawson from third grade, who I had the biggest crush on, you know. <laughs> well, also, I mean, you've met so many fans over the years, too. I mean, you can't expect to be able to recall everybody that you meet and those are people in your childhood that you were it was a different time and you're in a different space when you're in your childhood too as well that's true you know if we're lucky enough to hang on to our you know friends from our childhood we're very very fortunate people you know those are the ones that know you for just you you know and uh they're irreplaceable, and and you know I'm so thankful for social media and Facebook for it gives us such a close knit way to stay in touch with those that we probably would never see or have another way of communicating on, in such an intimate way if we right. didn't have right. social media. You know, it's, it's no wonder why it took off and has exploded, and you know, and we all use it for you know. For our businesses as well as for social, Absolutely. you know, a, a lot of people, you know, a lot of kids, I should say, need to be careful about what they put out there because, you know, the day is coming if it's not already here that you know business owners are looking at people's at kids' Facebooks, at colleges. I know definitely are doing it for admissions or if they get hired. And you're not really thinking it because you're a teenager and you're like, woohoo, you know, freshman year in college. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, as we know as, as entertainers, it never goes away. No. You know, I can Google my name and hit images, and there's pictures there from, you know, a long time ago, which I don't even like. And believe me, I try to get my publicist to get rid of them, you know. <laughs> I, I look ugly in that one. <laughs> I find that hard to believe, but I understand what you're saying. Um, okay, you were on All My Children for seven years stretch uh, as Simone Torres. You were fantastic. Um, but now that All My Children has been brought back by Prospect Park and producing it for the web, do you think that this is where daytime dramas are headed, and how will this change daytime? Well, all of television uh, is going to change, and quite quite rapidly, I believe. I've been saying it for some years, even when I was on the show. You know, it will come that you'll have, like, a little chip that you just, you know, snap into your television, and then you're going to watch whatever it is you want to watch when you want to watch it. You know, uh, programming will all be, you know, streaming, and, uh, I mean, that's just that's just how it's going to be. So as far as daytime, you know, it was created to sell soap, literally. That's why they call it a soap opera. 
they needed networks, and there was only three of them, right? There was only three stations. We didn't even have remote when soaps were invented. But they were invented for a reason, and now that reason has kind of dissipated. You know, there's no more stay-at-home housewives, unfortunately, because of our economic condition. You know, there's two-income families, if they're lucky, you know? So... With the invention of all these technologies that speed everything up, as soon as TiVo and, you know, the DVR were invented, our favorite shows were put on the chopping block because now that everyone's fast-forwarding over the advertisements, which is why these shows were created, to sell products. So if if the, the advertiser can't reach the audience through the means of daytime, they're going to find other modes, and they do. And they did. So now you have a giant. You have this this big machine. We'll take all my children as an example. That had in its glory days thirty five regular favorite characters of of all you know people, and then you had twenty writers, right? Because you're doing an episode a day. You're doing ninety plus pages a day, an hour show. When you watch your your primetime serials stories, they're doing the same hour in five days or eight days. And right. and daytime's doing it in one day. So you've got this machine that's working. You've got multiple directors, you've got all these incredible writers and everyone's cranking it out and it's expensive. With all that overhead, mm-hmm. you know, they had to come up with a way to make it less expensive because, you know, you know, in the glory days, I was told that, you know, certain of our favorite daytime stars were making close to a million, you know, yeah. a year, and that was all of them, and that those figures don't exist today, you know, and it'll be interesting to see how... Prospect Park, and I just applaud them for them getting it back online. But it, it's obviously it's it's felt the economic uh, condition has been felt by all actors and everyone, the writers, the producers, because you have to find a way to make money. It's got to be lucrative, or they won't put it on. So the best way is for the fanship that has been so mighty and forthright in the power of the pen and with their voice to make Prospect Park listen. Now they need to, uh, you know, support the advertisers. Just like they were so happy that, you know, what what was it? Is it Kenmore, that the vacuum cleaner that pulled? Yes. yes. So everyone was so excited. So now any advertiser that jumps on to uh, buy time and put the show on, they, the, the fan base, the, the loyals have got to support those advertisers, and then their show will stay on, and then it will grow. I think they're very wise to keep the cast small so that it's not a gigantic overhead. Right. I think they, you know, keep it centered around one family or one place, whether it be a hospital, you know, and then have more reoccurring characters that can just pop in and out, and it makes it more attractive for all actors that have been on the show because then they're they're not held to uh, an exclusive contract 
for less money than they were used to. I mean, we still have to pay our mortgages and keep our kids in school, you know. So all of those things together can work for a great good for everyone's happiness, but we must support the advertisers. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, okay, switching gears a little bit, your new film, Chicks Dig Gay Guy, which... <laughs> you are hilarious, and I mean it. Wow! I, I, watched, I love the title. I mean, you know, great. I, you know, I have some of my my loves, and when I tell them that I, you know, the trailer for Chicks Dig Gay Guys comes out, so many of my favorite men just crack up laughing, going, "Did you use my story?" You know. <laughs> okay. Good. But good. It is, um, I'm so. Just thrilled, and and um, I could not be happier for how the trailer looks. The entire movie is finished and uh, ready for release. We're aiming for a summer release, and the Kickstarter campaign, which I hope everyone will take a look at. Just go to Chicks Dig uh, Gay Guys dot com, and you know, or look for the Kickstarter campaign if you Google Chicks Dig Gay Guy Guys, and. Um, it's for uh, P&A, which for those that don't know what P&A, it's uh, publicity and advertisements. We're back to advertisers again because they are the ones that put our favorite things in the theaters. They're the ones that put it on our TV screens, and, uh, you know, we need them. Without them, you know, we're all going to be playing fiddlesticks and, uh, you know... <laughs> <laughs> it won't be as uh, entertaining, or at least myself, because I love movies and television. Uh, um, the film was created by a True Story from our producer Nathan Anderson, who also stars. He's the lead, and uh, he took a lot of his practical experience that he used uh, and put it in the film. But as we know in real life it's always best to be yourself and be your best self and he learned that um, through the course of his experience but the telling of how he learned it is hilarious and yeah. I think he's a just a dang good looking gay man too <laughs> you know there's not too many men that can wear eyeshadow and uh, you know feathers and, and look good and he can pull he pulls it off. He's really uh, great. Do you think <laughs> do you think that the Kickstarter campaign is the wave of the future for movies? Well because of the economic times, right, and our unions, SAG and AFTRA have merged. Now, you know, actors have gone on strike years ago, the directors, the writers, everybody wants more money, but it all goes back down to there's not enough advertisers because they're not being able to make any money, so everything just dwindles down. It's the trickle-down theory in the not-so-great, and not like Reaganomics when the trickle-down theory actually made the country money. Right. So now it's a, a producer's forum. You know, I, I am now making my headway in producing, and so I love it. You can now produce a great you know, independent film for under a half a million dollars. There are low-budget contracts that SAG honors, so it can be a SAG film and you can get great actors, but you can actually only pay them, you know, $500 a day. 
I mean, it's ridiculous, you know? <laughs> but as a producer, it's great. As a as an actor, you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> you know, they're, they're taking food out of my mouth. But there are so many actors now. Think about all the daytime dramas that we used to have, and now we're only left with four. Yeah. There used to be, what, like 11 at one time? No, I think there were 16, actually, at one time. Oh, my gosh. You know, so look at all those actors that made a living, a a salary, that are unemployed now just because the genre is not on network. So that goes, trickles down in every facet. And, you know, there are the the young, young aspiring actors and dreamers that I love because it, they need to continue to follow their dreams. But now it's harder and harder. When I started, you know, I got my first job and it was NBC, you know, Days of Our Lives, and I was commanding, you know, over $1,000 for one day, you know. <laughs> wow. And I was just a kid. So, you know, everything has changed, and we have to – basically do with like Nathan Anderson did with Chicks Dig Gay Guys. He pushed an envelope. He had an idea. He wrote it. He surrounded himself with friends and an engine of people that believed in him that said, yes, I believe we can. I believe we can. And yes, they did. And now here we are. He's got something that is a amazing vehicle for his own you know, acting credit for people right. to see what he's doing. And because he's surrounded himself with such great people, he's got a great film that's super funny, you know? Yes. I work opposite, which is not in the trailer, I work opposite Eric Roberts. Oh, my gosh, you know, I was thrilled to, to be on camera with him. I've been in love with him, you know, since, you know, Pope of Greenwich Village when I saw that. And they took my films, oh. Charlie. You know? <laughs> sure. So, you know, that's what inevitably is having, uh, is going and, and having to happen in this business. You're, you reinvent yourself and you you write. If you have multiple talents and you really want to act, you need to come up with your own Vehicles, write, you know, study, be prepared because there's no second chances. People will give you one shot and you need to be ready. Right. Right. Oh, that's, that's great advice, Mary. Um, now, as you mentioned, you are producing now and uh, your upcoming film, Borrowed Moments, that stars General Hospital's alumni, Vanessa Marcel and Brian Crouch from Charm. Uh, what kinds of different challenges did you go through being the producer on this film versus, like, you being the actor in the film? Well, it's completely different. You know, producing, you're putting it, you're putting the story together from the beginning. You know, everyone has, there's multiple producers and everybody has their different jobs. A, a line producer, you know, is in control and, and is so vital to the production because they're organizing everything having to do with set locations and the timing of making sure they get everybody on set at the same time, securing locations. Then you have, you've got executive producers who are the money, you know, and, and you kind of, 
as a creative producer, you don't really want the executive producers to show up on set because you, you know. <laughs> oh. And, yes. You know, because uh, then they're gonna they're gonna uh, ante in their opinions, and maybe they're not a seasoned professional in the business. They just have a lot of money, you know. But at the same time, you want to you know, wrap yourself around them and hope that they'll become part of the team and you can give them back, you know, high returns and quickly on their investment so they stick with you with all the other stories that you want to produce and tell. You know, it's the casting, and casting now is is absolutely crazy. So much of it is done online. It's a tiny little picture. You know, it used to be 8x10s and messenger service. You know, your your manager would messenger over your 8x10 and your resume to a casting office, and the casting office would messenger over to the studios, the directors, and they would have a gigantic wall and, and you know, stick pin the photos up there with the names. Some of that still happens, but it starts with the Internet. And, you know, there's some assistant to the casting director that's, you know, scanning pages upon pages for one character. When we were doing casting for one character, we had 2,500 submissions within three hours for one role. It's almost impossible to get through it. Yeah. So it's like, wow, how do you stand out and apart? I'm, I'm so very grateful that I am on the other side of the table because if I didn't know all these things and feel comfortable wearing the producer hat, I think I would probably be pretty dismal as an actor because it's so competitive and, uh, you know, especially starting out. You know, the the days of being a working actor are very nil unless you're on a TV show. You know, it used to be you could be a successful working actor and, you know, in the summer months, you did a couple movies of the week, and uh, you did commercials, and then there was pilot season. You know, I, I it would it was very uh, very common to you know have a second, maybe even a third position in pilot season, meaning that the networks would be fighting over you. So there's three different TV shows, and you've got a first position, a second position, and a third. But though, now instead of there being you know, 2,000 new pilots every season. Now there's like maybe 200. Right. So, right. you know, all of it is, is it's, it's really, the business will always survive and the cream will rise to the top. So it's to stay uh, visible, you know, and, and remain sharp and paired and, Keep creating your own vehicle, and you know I'm a lifer. This is what I do. This is what my family does. Uh, my stepdad is a uh, music producer for film and television. Uh, he, you know, he's quite accomplished. So we all know, hey, you know, jobs come and go, work comes and goes, but that's not who we are. We enjoy each other and our friends and our life, and guess what? We just keep creating new opportunities for ourselves and for our friends. It was thrilling to be able to get Brian Krause to be the lead in Borrowed Moments. 
Oh, is that? It was so exciting because you want to help. You know, you want to hire your friends. You, you know, the whole thing of like Adam Sandler. If you look at all of his movies, you see the same people doing certain, you know, roles of his friends, and you know they're having so much fun when they're filming. Right. That's a great day at work, you know. Absolutely, and getting paid for it. <laughs> right. That's that's the glory. And I you know, I uh I'm excited about it and I can't wait to talk to you again. We're about ready to have our trailer uh put together and finished for borrowed moments and uh it would be really great to talk to you more about it when I actually know the details. Uh absolutely. I would love to have you back. Um uh, I wanna thank you for uh spending this time for me. Um and um, uh, again, you are in the Chip Big Gay Guys uh, hilarious film. If you take a look, uh, guys, at the uh, trailer, um, it's on YouTube. HTTP colon backslash backslash YouTube. Um, check on uh, Terry's uh, not Terry's website, my website under her bio. Uh, there is a link for the trailer, there's an IMDb to check out Perry Ivins and, and also the Kickstarter campaign as well. Get involved. It's, a, it's definitely a movie that you want to support. It's hilarious and Terry is amazing in it. Thanks Aww. again, Terry. You're, You're welcome. welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, uh, everybody. Thank you very much. <laughs> Have a great night. Thanks. <laughs> Bye-bye. This will uh, end this uh, interview with Terry Ivins. We want to thank her for being with us. Everybody have a great evening. And next week we will have uh, Brian McComas and uh, some other surprise guests. So tune in next week.